guys ready for a good day? Have you already had one? Man, very excited for today. Big day. Um, man, super honored uh, for what's happening, what's, what's been going on. So I'm going to try to be brief, be good, and be gone. All right? Uh, I learned some of that in some sales training by uh, Zig Ziglar. All right? Be brief, be good, be gone. I'll, I'll try my best. I'll at least try to be good and eventually be gone. I don't know about the brief part. No, we'll try to be brief. Um, but we, we've been in this series, but just before we get there and before we kind of get to the message, and there's a little bit of an intro, but um, man, uh, just these graduates, it's just incredible to know what the Lord's going to do in them and so honored to, to be a part of their life and especially a few of them that have grown up here. And as I see that and just our heart for, for the youth and the next generation is just insane. We want to see a generation on fire. We want to pass these torches. We want to pass these microphones and these batons. And we'll get into that actually through the message here a little bit later because our expansion project and what we're breaking ground on is called the legacy expansion for the next generation. Uh, so we have a heart for them. Uh, but last night, my daughter, Hadassah, our youngest, was in a dance recital. And, and let me just tell you, we, we had dance church at the Tip City High School last night. It was a church service, and, and Heather, I, she's up there in the, in the balcony. What an incredible job, and I, I, I told her this personally, privately, but um, she began to prophesy over some of the dancers who had been there longer than five years. She prayed, she spoke a word, and every, every song was to worship music, and at one point, they gathered the entire uh, theater, and, and just, it was powerful. There was an anointing that came. Uh, so if you're looking for something for your little girls, to get involved in that is faith-based. I'm telling you, Joyful Souls is where it's at. Um, so highly encourage it. It was incredible. So I'm not exploiting a business. I'm exploiting a ministry because she's sowing identity into these little girls and their worth and their value and knowing who they are and whose they are. And Heather, um, Heather, could you just come out and stand by the balcony? We're just going to honor you because there was an anointing on you last night that it is a gift. She leads the dance ministry here as well. So Easter, she was part of that. Um, in the program every year, she honors Nicole and I in our church. And, um, you know, it's our heart that, that the purpose of the church, I'll, I'll finish this rabbit hole in a second, I promise. The perp, one of the main purposes of the church is to equip the believers for the work of their ministries. That, that we, we are to host his presence, to worship him, to be a temple, a tabernacle that worships, that offers an incense of worship to the Lord, but then also to disciple and equip believers for the work of their ministries. And that's honestly all we did was part of our core value here and our vision and mission is to equip her. And now she launched a dance studio years ago. Actually, it started out of this building, and now she's went way beyond that, and she's filling up a theater of like a thousand seat auditorium last night pretty much and uh, just incredible but the ministry of it and the anointing that was on her and those dancers it was powerful so anyway so proud of you Heather and anybody any little girl that was part of that last night great job great job okay uh, we're, we're gonna fit we're going to do a part one of a two-part uh, message today as wrapping up our series called simply Jesus I believe we launched this Easter, maybe even before Easter, basically talking about um, his last appearances. Jesus appeared eight times 
after the resurrection. There was 40 days that he would appear. Um, then uh, there was 10 days and then the day of Pentecost. Pentecost Sunday's next week. So I felt it was absolutely fitting to, to and it, the timing worked out, where the last time Jesus appears is in Acts 1. And in Acts 1, he appears, um, then he ascends. So we're going to kind of dive into that. I'm going to link it to the groundbreaking and the kingdom expanding, the kingdom of God. Everybody say kingdom of God. But then this is really just a setup for a home run next week for God to do Pentecost Sunday, all right? And we'll get into Acts 2 next Sunday, all right? Uh, so anyway, let's go to Acts 1. We're going to be in Acts 1, uh, the first part of it for a little while here, but we're going to flip back and forth to Luke, all right? So just have your finger on Acts 1 and Luke. Luke 1 and Luke 24, Acts 1. That's pretty much it. We'll end in Isaiah 54, all right? So those of you who have paper Bibles, real physical Bibles, you can, you can just kind of put your fingers there. But basically, um, Luke is the writer, okay? And essentially, the Bible's not in chronological order for those of you who we may be your first church expression or you're not that versed in the Bible. Uh, so Luke wrote Luke and then Acts. So really, essentially, a lot of people would actually call this um, like like maybe Acts or, or, or Acts of Jesus would be maybe Luke, and then Acts of the Apostles would be Acts. So basically, it's Luke, and some people would say that this is actually just a part two of Luke. So, so let's, just, let's just start in here, um, because it's essentially like the end of Luke or, or the beginning of, of, of Acts here would literally be, if like we're on the internet, it would be a hyperlink that you would click, and one would direct you to the other, the other would direct you to the one. So like if you're in Acts, you would click and it would take you to Luke. If you're in Luke, you would click, it would take you to Acts. And you could almost take these scrolls and overlay them. And the life of Jesus is portrayed through it. And, and Luke mentions Holy Spirit more than any other gospel. And it's also mentioned throughout Acts. So then you get into the introduction here that we're going to go through in Acts 2 next week. And it's just amazing, especially on our journey of we've talked about these, these previous seven appearances of Jesus and how much Peter was the focus in a lot of this. And then Peter delivers this first message uh, that we get into next week. But see, it's, it's kind of amazing as you overlay this because it, all of a sudden then Paul enters this picture and Paul's life is essentially like a timeline similar to Jesus's. And again, you could overlay Acts into Luke and it becomes this timeline. Much like us. It's this, it's this, the, <laughs> it's really like this theology or, or essentially this, this theological claim that as we are faithful to the Lord, our lives will begin to demonstrate Jesus' life. Now, hopefully we're not crucified and we're not sinless, and there's obviously some big differences there. But as we are obedient to the Lord, we, we go through this journey, and our life should overlay his life, just like Paul's did Luke. So we get into Acts 1 here, and let's just go for this. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, which means lover of God, about everything Jesus began to do and teach. Now, there's some context there. In my first book, what Jesus began to do and teach, now he's ending his teachings, okay? So, so here we go. Until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions from the Holy Spirit. Let's go back to Luke 1. Luke 1. Flip with me to Luke 1. Again, just proving some overlap here. Luke 1, first few verses. Many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. 
They use the eyewitness reports, eyewitness reports. Sometimes we want to question the validity of, of the Word of God and the Bible and how it was written. Um, so the eyewitness reports that have been fulfilled among us, they use the eyewitness reports circulating us from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write a careful account for you, most honorable Theophilus. So you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. It's again, now this, he's, he's writing to Theophilus, maybe, maybe the sponsor of this book, you know, maybe the sponsor of Luke's life, I, I don't know. So then we get in a little further into Acts 1. Acts 1-3. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. Now remember, oftentimes he would like show up through a wall or just be in a room, and he'd say, peace be with you, because they're probably flipping out. Like, What? During the 40 days he suffered, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about what? What's it say? The kingdom of God. So for 40 days, they're going through this crash course, this discipleship model, this this, uh, tutorial, this education on the kingdom of God. And Jesus keeps showing up, talking about the kingdom of God. So now we get into verse 4. Once he was eating with them, and he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The presence. The manifested person presence of Jesus. So, so Jesus is saying, wait here. All right, so they wait for about 10 days. We get on later in this chapter that we're not going to touch on today. They pick a new disciple to replace Judas. Uh, there was 120 of them in what? what? What do they call that? The upper room. Some of you, this is not just some funny name for a church. It has a biblical context of over nine significant mentions in the Bible of people being in the upper room and God doing some amazing things there. So this is one of them. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Okay, can we flip back to Luke 24? Luke 24. Let's make a bridge here. I've loved doing this a little bit through this series of bridging the different chapters and what's happening. And, and actually what, a lot, what Luke's even mentioning here in Acts 1 is a lot of the overlay even from Isaiah. He's quoting Isaiah. He's, he's mentioning the, the promises, the prophecies of Isaiah are now being fulfilled. Okay? So we're just going to start at, um, I think it's verse 46. I hate to admit this, but I can't see that small number on my Bible right now. I heard when it happens, it just happens suddenly. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are all witnesses of all things. And now I will send you the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fulfills you with power from heaven. Everybody say power. Power. Say presence. Presence. Power. Power. Promise. Promise. Those are the three points today. Presence, power, and promise. All right? The ascension. Then Jesus... 
led them to Bethany, and lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. So they worshiped him and, and then returned to Jerusalem, filled with great joy, and they spent all of their time in the temple praising God. Okay? Are you seeing the connection at the end of Luke, now into the beginning of Acts? Again, it's a continuation. So let's read on in Acts. I'm just going to start over in verse 7. He replied, the Father alone has the authority. I'm sorry. Verse 6, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? I believe they're focused. There's a lot of discrepancy about what they're really asking here and what the heart of their question is, all right? So his response might indicate what their question was because they may have been actually asking, like, are you going to restore this political uprising right now? Are you going to restore what's happening in our city, in our region, in our earth right now? Are you, it's this natural political realm. How many have felt that the last few years? He replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. I think what he's saying there is, Nunya. Can you say Nunya? Nunya business. Can you say that with me? None your business. It's kind of what he's saying. It's kind of smart, Alec. He's like, it's not for you to know. It's only, only I set these times. All right? So it's kind of a smart Alec thing, but it depends. Like, what, how are they asking? Why are they questioning? For 40 days, they've been educated on the kingdom of God, and they're like, hey, are you going to restore this thing yet? But maybe they're getting antsy. Maybe they're like, hey, we're ready. Like, you said you're going to send us. You're empowering us with power and, and the spirit, and we're ready to go. When are you going to do it? Is it now? Are you doing it now? Are we ready? We're ready. We're ready. Can we? Anybody had those conversations with your kids? Are we there yet? Are we there? Is it time? Are we there? How much longer? Just take your iPad. Just kidding. All right, all right, all right. Not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you little reference to Luke 24 there, right? And you will be my witnesses. <laughs> this is what the power of the Holy Spirit does. This is an effect. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power. It's, it's the fulfillment of essentially Isaiah 32, and then we're talking about witnesses everywhere. We're talking about a reference to Isaiah 43. And then we're getting to Isaiah 49, to the ends of the earth. So there's these connections that Luke is making, but it is honestly the fulfillment of the prophecies and the promise of Holy Spirit to come. So the presence is the Holy Spirit. The power is when you receive it upon you, you're his witnesses. There's giftings, there's manifestations, there's all these things that we can get in through the next few weeks or definitely next week, right, when this outpouring happens. I'm just setting up the stage for next week. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they would no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Now here's the promise. Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. The presence is Holy Spirit, the, the fulfillment, the promise of Holy Spirit. The, the, the power is receiving Holy Spirit and the personal manifested uh, spirit of the Lord in us, within us, upon us, right? And now the promise is his return. I think sometimes we, especially like, we would probably be categorized as, as I don't know actually. 
had a recent interview and he started talking about like us being charismatic and Pentecostal and all the all these things and I'm like I don't know what we are we're just Jesus lovers if it's in the Bible we preach it if it's not we don't so so anyway like we we get really excited about day of Pentecost because we're open to all that right We, we get pretty excited some may call us charismatic because we have a lot of charisma about the works of the Holy Spirit and about Jesus himself. But anyway, sometimes we get so enamored and excited about the power of the Spirit, we forget about the promise of his return. Let, let me just set up the framework here. There is a promise of his return that there is a day coming Amen. where we behold the face of Jesus. That we're not here for this moment. We're, fear, we're here for his glory. We're here to bring him worship. We're here to creatively express, to please the Lord and lead others and pack out heaven, right? That's, that's why we're here. But, but the, the reality is our end, our end game is, is his return. That we behold the face of Jesus, that, that we're in a heavenly realm worshiping forever. Oh, man. We think upper room worship services are long. You'll be in heaven with four living creatures with eyeballs around them and cherubim and all of these crazy things happening, celebrating Jesus forever. <laughs> just, just picture that for a moment. Lightnings and thunderings and a sea of glass. And colors that we can't even express right now that we've never even seen his eyes of fire, not, not angry fire, blazing, glorious fire. That's the day of his return. We get, to, we get to be with Jesus in his fullness. We can't even contain it right now. Our bodies, our vessels would not be able to contain all of what heaven and who he is. That's why we get little doses to keep us hungry and tasting and seeing that he's good. That's why we can't figure out all the mysteries, because would we still be hungry? Would we be able to contain it? Would we... Oh, man, I could go on and on and on and on there, but I can't. Oh, man. So I want to focus on this and, and kind of wrap this part up. I'm not done yet. I'm just moving on to the next section. Uh, so kingdom of God. I, I want to I point something out to you. Again, this is more of a teaching setting up for next week. But kingdom of God, it's mentioned twice in Acts 1. It's mentioned four times throughout the rest of the body and twice again in Acts 28, ending the book, okay? So it's about the kingdom of God. So every time the kingdom of God is mentioned, it's actually in the realm of a transition. I think we're in the midst of a transition, so I want to speak on the kingdom of God for a moment. So in Acts 1, he's mentioning it, and, and he's talking about for 40 days, he's teaching the kingdom of God. And then they're asking, are you about to fix this kingdom that's happening? Is your kingdom coming? Is it, you know, is, are we ready yet? Is it happening? Then we get into the body. So, so in 8.12, and I'm just going to reference these briefly for the sake of time. We have Philip, who's, who's going to Samaria, and he announces the good news of the kingdom of God. Then we get into 1422, Paul and Barnabas challenged the disciples in Antioch that entering the kingdom of God requires suffering. Oh boy, you mean it's not always, uh, what do you say, sunshine, rainbows, and unicorns, or whatever? In 19.8, Paul arrives in Corinth bearing witness to the kingdom of God. And then, in the final part of the body, 2025, Paul describes his ministry in Ephesus as a period of preaching the kingdom. 
So then we get to fast forward. We get at 28. Paul's life's portrayed throughout, kind of overlays the life of Jesus in many instances and ways. So then we get to 28, and it's mentioned two times to finish this book. Now, Acts is a big book. So we have the beginning of two references to the kingdom of God. The entire middle is only four, and that was during transitions. And then now we end it with two. And in 28, 23, it says, Paul under the house arrest in Rome bears witness to the kingdom of God. And then the final one in verse 31, and it ends the book saying, announcing the kingdom of God. So what isn't the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is not just this, this, this realm of just a destination of heaven. The kingdom of God is, is far more than just, just heaven as a, as a ticket. We'll get there for eternity. See, the kingdom of God is, is this thing that's ever expanding. The kingdom of God is the gospel. It is the good news. The kingdom of God is anywhere God is. The kingdom of God is the king's domain. Kingdom, the king's domain. The kingdom of God is an everyday heaven realm. It's, it's a lifestyle. It's an invitation for us to, to, to experience the more, his presence, right? So it's beyond. It's, it's three-dimensional versus just a destination. It's this lifestyle. The kingdom of God, um, man, it, it, it's so powerful. Jesus spoke the kingdom of God. So, so we get in this realm because I, I want to just speak into just this one thing of as far as like honoring the past, present, future because the kingdom of God is ever expanding and continually going from generation to generation. It, it doesn't just stop. And I think sometimes I, 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 I love honor. We, we call ourselves a culture of honor. Kind of stole it from a book we read. read. But it's a culture of honor where we celebrate one another. We celebrate our history. We celebrate um, our destiny. We celebrate one another for who we are rather than stumbling over who you're not. Or maybe who you're not supposed to be. We brush you off. We clean you up. And, and we, 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 we help you get back to your God calling. Your Jesus following. Your full heart. Your purpose, right? That, that's, that's this culture of honor. But sometimes when we hold on to history, we prevent ourselves from moving into the destiny. And the kingdom of God is always meant to transcend all generations. See, we become paralyzed if all we do is hold on to the past and it becomes our identity, then we can't move to our destiny. There's a difference between honoring history and holding on to history. And, and that's part of the groundbreaking and, and building into this next generation. I remember when we finished the room upstairs, when we finished the balcony, it was about a year after we moved in here. We brought up the little kids that were here at the time, probably the kids of all the dads that were laying all that stone. I know Chloe was there, Judah was there, I believe Emily was there, maybe some others. And I remember we get to the top left corner. You remember this, Matt? We're like, hey, we, we had a few stones, and we, we just had this random thought. How about we have the kids put the last stones of the building on? And we brought them over, and we, we buttered up the, the stone, and we're like, here, push it right here. And a few of them, they, they took turns, and they pushed those last stones in, because in that time, 12, 11 years ago, maybe roughly then, 11 years ago or so, we were looking into the next generation that this would be a room that they pray in. This is a room that they experience God in. This is a building where, where they bring their friends or their kids, right? Because it's about the next generation. Now, if I only hold on to those stones and I never let them be removed and I never set up room for that next generation, I'm holding on to that history and it's going to prevent us from our destiny. See, the kingdom of God is meant to expand. Now, we don't discredit or dishonor the history or the past because that's what got us to where we are. When God speaks of things, he always speaks in threes and he speaks in three generations. He is the God of Abraham, 
Isaac, and Jacob. But when you look at the promises and the fulfillments and the things of Abraham, it was always the promises and the prophecies to the descendants. It was to him, his house, and all the generations to come. Now, I want to honor my dad. Dad, give, give everybody a wave. I think everybody in here knows you. I want to honor him, and, and he and my mom founded up a room, and, and they, they, they put a second mortgage on, our, on their house to, to buy our old building. They sacrificed more than any of us probably know. The next generation, we just put our houses, five of us put our houses as collateral to buy this building. But we didn't do a second mortgage. We weren't like paying on it. It was just, if this fell apart, we lost our houses too. No big deal. <laughs> but the Lord has blessed us. We need no collateral now. We need nobody putting second mortgages on their houses or any of that. Because from generation to generation, there is this blessing, there is this inheritance, but it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We're, we honor our history, we're content with where we are, but we dream where we're going. That's the kingdom of God expanding that we honor. Like, like Jesus came, he conquered it all for you, your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids. Some of you aren't even married yet, you don't even know what I'm talking about, but your great-great-great-grandkids. We're paying so somebody can play. Like our dream is that in a few years or whenever the Lord calls, that this is not my identity. I don't have a real microphone right now. This is not my identity. This is not my identity. This is not Aaron's church. If this becomes my identity, I can never drop it. It's supposed to go to the next generation. Listen, this is just a building. This is just a building. Jesus can be worshipped outside by that bulldozer here in a little bit, just as much as he can be worshipped here. This is just a building. It is a ministry tool to facilitate his presence, to be a tool to welcome the community in, to serve, to, to build something together, to have a table where we gather as a family, where we have an altar, where we offer up incense so much that happens in here and it's beautiful and it's good and I don't want to discredit that but it is only a tool but if Jesus is in, isn't in here it doesn't matter if love isn't in here it doesn't matter I don't want to be a part of something where we're holding so much on to the past that we can't make room for the future but I want to honor the past I, I, I was at a baseball game this week and I asked my dad and brother we had three shovels last time we broke ground and uh, we, all we do with shovels, they're $300 for ceremonial shovels. So we buy, and I'm sorry if any of you went to Menards and couldn't find a shovel Mother's Day weekend. Morgan, I heard you were looking for one. I'm sorry. I bought all their cheap shovels. And I bought three cans of gold spray paint. And I think we got about, 14, about $16 in each shovel, all right? Because we're good stewards, right? Good stewards. So I asked Matt and Dad, when we did this before, we had three shovels. And, and I gave Matt one, Dad one, and I kept one. And I was like, hey, bring your shovels that we used last time. Matt's like, I used mine. It's dirty. It's got dirt on it. I don't. My dad's like, I don't even know where mine went. I walk out to my barn. I grab my shovel that's never been used since that day. And we're going to be using it today. I don't know why I said that. It wasn't to brag on myself. I promise. It came across that way. As I said this out loud, I'm like, that just made them look bad and maybe me good. I meant nothing by that. Huge rabbit trail. I'm just going to gather myself from that, seek forgiveness from them publicly and privately later. 
I honestly don't know where I was going. The kingdom is expanding. God's kingdom is expanding on the earth. And we're expanding here. And it is a beautiful thing. And, and let me just say this. None, none of you are left out. I, I, I love the picture of David and the table and, and, and him um, not even being there. And they're at Jesse's house, and they're trying to find the next king, and there's these clear words from the Lord, right? And they get there, and he's not there. And, man, it's... He was the most insignificant in the family and honestly doing the most mundane task to out taking care of the sheep. That was literally the worst job in the family. The worst job in our family is feeding chickens. We have chore charts and, and when it's and it's and Sunday's Hadassah. And let me just say, like Sunday, no one wants to do chores. Amen? But Sunday it's Hadassah's feed chicken day. And I'm like, we'll get to three, four, five o'clock in the evening. I'm like, Hadassah, have you fed the chickens yet? I was like, it's not fair. I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna start withholding your food. The chickens need to eat. You know, I let them out. That's not feeding them and making sure they have proper water. And you know, anyway, all these things. So, so anyway, David's out doing the most mundane, stupid, worst task in the family. And they're like, but there's one more. Where is he? And they wait and they gather and they get him there. And and he's and basically it's this story like. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God, he looks at the heart. I'm not the most qualified person to be up here. I'm not the most qualified to be leading this church. I'm not the most qualified to be the pastor here. I'm probably not even that great. Better preachers here, better leaders. But I had a yes. David had a yes. There was probably more qualified. There was probably better people. But David was a man known after God's heart. And he knew how to steward a, a, a harp. And he knew how to steward a slingshot. He knew how to steward a sword. And he knew how to steward a crown. And that's, he had mess ups. He had failures. He fell. He murdered a person. <laughs> I've never done that. <laughs> he slept with someone else's wife. I've never done that. I never will, I promise. But here he is, and, and he's king, right? And he's known after God's heart. Psalms 24, this one thing I desire, David's saying, to dwell in the house of the Lord forever, to, to fix my eyes on his beauty. That's David's heart. I've messed up. I messed up with Bathsheba. I, I, I was sleeping with a woman when I should have been at war. I, should, I lost my focus, all these things, right? But I, this one thing I want, I want Jesus. I want his presence. I want to be in his house forever. That's me. I just, I can, I, can, I can relate to that, but that's the invitation for you, that there is this table set before you. There's this table of upper room. And it's expanding, and it's growing, and it's bigger. Let me just say, if you've excelled in the old, we want you to excel in the new. You're not forgotten. You're not left behind. Just because you had a role then, it doesn't like mean that you're left out now. It's, it's this thing like sometimes we fear the future because we did so well in the past. There's an expansion happening, and God doesn't forget about anyone. He doesn't forsake anyone. He, his, his love is big enough. His grace is sufficient. He never leaves us or forsakes us. So let's go to Isaiah 54, and I am closing now. I promise. 
Anytime the kingdom was mentioned in Acts, it was around transition. Like the kingdom of God is expansion. It's cha- it, it does change. The word of God never changes. Jesus never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Doesn't that sound a little bit like the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Delivery systems, methods, songs might change, but he doesn't. His word doesn't. Isaiah 54, 2 through 13 says this. It says, enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your offspring will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. Fear not, for you will not be ashamed. This is, this is what we're doing. Today. We're expanding our tent pegs. We're expanding the stakes. We're, 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 we're stretching out the tent. That's all we're doing. It's the same God, the same presence, the same Jesus that will dwell in this house. We're expanding it for more to come in and for the next generation. All right? And here's, here's some of that focus. Fear not, for you will not be ashamed. Be not confounded, for you will not be disgraced. For you will forget the shame of your youth. You will forget the things that happen. You will forget the, the sin because you're new creatures in Christ now. It mentions youth. And then the reproach of your widowhood you will remember no more. I, I look at the only, one of, one of the only original members of this body, besides our family, that's, that's with us today, is Lola. Can you wave Lola? I know it's not her identity, but happens to be a widow. And, and I think it's so fitting that, that in this, and as we go through these processes and we meet with Dana and, and the architect design and, and Kurt and, and the team and everybody, we're looking at what's for the next generation, but what is for the current generation. And, and I have Lola in mind, and, and, and we're striping out pickleball on, on the, the gymnasium court so Lola can beat me at pickleball. Last time I played pickleball, I got smoked by all these people that were way older than me. They're ruthless. They're like getting a spin on those things. Anyway, it's for all generations. For the sake of time, I'm fast forwarding to the last verse here. Verse 13. All your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. This, this expansion, yes, we're expanding the tent pegs. Yes, we're, we're expanding the, the, the tent here. But it's not just for us. It's not just for the generation that gave of themselves 24 and a half years ago. It's not just for my dad. It's not just for my family. It's not just for the Simmons uh, family. It's for the next generation of believers in the body of Christ and those who are not yet there. So... I'm excited, are you? Okay, you have these little giant tongue dispensers, also known as popsicle sticks. When we moved into this building, the Lord put on my heart this message um, about, about putting a stake in the ground. And we went somewhere that was gracious, and they gave us a couple hundred paint stir sticks. And, and we did this message, and we said, plant this. Like, put a stake in the ground, plant it for God, and, and put a stake in the ground. So today, we're doing it here, all right? 
That was like to take territory. Whenever, wherever your feet go, uh, the kingdom of God expands, right? You have authority. Luke 9 gives you authority. So, so anyway, today we're going to do this to put a stake in the ground here. All right? I think it's cool. I think we got him a little backwards. We probably should have broke ground last week, and then Nicole could have taught about good soil and planting seed. But we're going to plant seed last week and break ground this week. Okay? So anyway, um, what, what we want you to do is just take a moment right now, and we want you to write something, something for your destiny, your kids, something connected to the ministry here. Um, I put Psalms 24 on mine. And, and I put Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. All right? So whatever the Lord puts on your heart, maybe you just put family. Maybe you put uh, whole house salvation. I, I don't know. Whatever you want to put. But basically how this ministry will impact, and you're putting a stake in the ground today. This is us expanding the stakes. And then we're going we're gonna to put them in the ground out there here in a little bit. So let me give you a moment for that. So just, Lord, what do, what do, you, what do you feel? Just first thing you hear something you sense, and then we'll pray. If you're a visitor here today, just put it into the ground. Like, you can still claim it for your family. Again, we're moving outside the walls of this building, and it's his kingdom. It's the bride. So I know we're honored to have Dane and his wife here today. And so you can still do the steak thing. It's, it's fun. We'll do communion out there as well here in a little bit. mom and dad started up a room when we went to build this church she was part of the design team she was I remember we sat at my kitchen table at my house and a few of us and Linda and Amy Nicole Leah my mom um, we sat there she picked out the sconces the color of the chairs you sit in and then before we moved in she passed away she never got to see it fulfilled she picked out helped pick out the color of the paint like if you think about Joshua and Moses when Moses was promised the promised land and, and he was so obedient to going and going on this journey and crossing the sea and it was parted and, and, and manna raining from the sky and, and water flowing from rocks and this crazy, crazy journey of 40 years. But that generation didn't even get to see the promised land. So then Joshua takes over and they, they get down to the creek or riverbed and he's like, all right, it's time for us to be circumcised. Who's in? I'm not asking anybody to be circumcised today. I promise you. But he's like, who's in? Because what Joshua was doing was, it was the next generation of covenant. It was a symbol of covenant. Like this, and it says, like Abraham, it was Moses' generation. They were circumcised. They, they, they paid something. It cost something. It cost some of their lives, and they never even got to see it fulfilled. So Joshua's like, we got we to give something, and they stayed there. And, and in that time, in those couple of weeks, they began to heal, and they, they built that camaraderie, I'm sure. But they honored the history. They honored the generation before them. 
That's kind of what I see of, of like, like my dad was the Moses. So I'm the Joshua generation. I'm only carrying on the vision that he and my mom had. It's not a new vision. It's not something, you know, this, this crazy new thing. It's just a different version of their vision. But I believe now this next phase is we're planting for that next generation. We're, we're, we're going to march around that promised land for the next generation, for, for our kids now, for our kids as kids. And that's what you're going to see in some of the plans and some of the pictures out there. It's, it's, it's a gymnasium. It's a youth space. It's, it's a bigger kids space for that next generation. And our heart is that we'll be able to hand it over to them totally debt-free and no financial bondage whatsoever. That's that next generation. We're not asking for money today yet, okay? We're not asking for money yet. But that's that next generation because our heart is that the whole earth will come to know Jesus. And every generation will know him. It costs us something. It costs us something. <sighs> okay. Hopefully you have this done. I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to pray that as we go into next week and as we do this, that it is about his presence. That we get to be witnesses of his power. But there is this promise of his return. And that there is a kingdom expansion that's happening. And there's a transition. And I know sometimes it's hard for us to embrace the new when the old works so well. But I think it's this, this tension of both. It's this tension to honor the past, be content with where we are, but dream into the future and look into the destiny of our kids and grandkids and beyond. So let me pray for you. Can you stand? We're gonna get out there and turn some dirt. Okay. Put your hands on your heart again. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for the promise of your spirit. We thank you for the power of your spirit, but we also thank you for the promise of your return. We thank you, Lord, um, just, just for who you are, for your focus on the kingdom of God, for your focus on getting the kingdom in us so the kingdom can get out of us. So Lord, we just, we pray for greater measures there. We thank you for the history here, but we thank you for the destiny that's to come. We thank you for the past, but Lord, we thank you for the present. And we thank you for the vision and the prophecy and the promise of the future. So we thank you. We thank you. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you for these stakes. Just hold your stake. We thank you for these stakes. We thank you that they are beyond just a little piece of wood, that there, something is being planted in the ground today beyond us, beyond who's in this room, beyond even this generation into the next generation. So Lord, we pray a prophetic symbolism over this stake that it, it goes into good ground and it produces fruit and it's a hundredfold return. We thank you for that, whether that's family or prodigals or, or life or hope or, or Jesus or the gospel, Lord. We thank you for sowing these stakes and expanding these tent pegs into good ground. We love you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Okay, here's what we're gonna do. Dana, can you just give a wave? We'll have you out there. He's our builder, he's from Bomb Builders. Dana and his wife, we're honored to have you. Um, he, he's become a friend throughout these, these processes. He built this current building. And, um, but you may recognize uh, his wife through Hope, now Hope Rising uh, Pregnancy Center. 
And uh, man, we're, we're so honored that you're here, that you've joined us today. We're honored that, that for your story, for your redemption, and for the goodness of God. And uh, we're so thankful for you. Um, so anyway, we're glad you're here. But here's what we're going to do. We are now going to go into just a fun groundbreaking. What, the only, what we want to do is as you exit the main area, go grab your kids. Bring them out there and make sure you get communion for everybody. We're going to have communion out there. Get your steak, uh, your piece of little tongue dispenser, and uh, we're going to plant those in the ground. So we're going to meet out in front of the bulldozer towards the parking lot, uh, but make sure you get communion. Love you guys. Bless you. But we're going to do this very quickly, very promptly. Get your kids and meet us out there. God bless you guys.